Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and as always I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, how are you doing, Dilly? Hi, Nick. I'm very good. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ticking over. I'm ticking over. I'm really desperate to know your answer to this. I was going to say spicy question, but actually it's one that I've been mulling over for the last couple of days to whether I could actually answer it. So maybe it's a tough question. So, Dilly, what's the strangest thing about living in Germany? Ooh, that is a spicy question. I would like to answer this question at two levels. And I would say... On a very uh, on a non-serious note, the kinds of tea, <laughs> apple, blueberry, crumble, honey drops kind of thing. I felt very German when I too acquired an entire shelf of different kinds of tea, and I could tell people, you know, you can have black tea with milk or sugar or both, or but you know, you can have mint, you can have mint and ginger, you can have ginger and and um, turmeric. I like the measurement. The measurement of Germanness is how many teas you can offer your guests. I mean, yeah, I think the tea is a bit, a bit of a, a sore point. Uh, aside from the tea, yeah. what other strange things can you think of? Um, on a slightly alarming note, I would say that people have gardens or balconies or a couple of pots somewhere. You start with your tomatoes and they all die, Nick. In eight months, they just wither and die. And we have to start it all over again the next year. You know, when I lived in Sri Lanka, things didn't die. You had your coconut tree and it's there like 30 years later. <laughs> I love that. It's totally, it's like, what's that movie, The Happening, <laughs> where all the trees attack everybody? Yeah, I lived in a in a sort of a block of apartments mm -hmm. in Ferd and it backed on to other people's apartments. So you're just like surrounded by balconies. And that's quite a strange thing like to experience that kind of living and with the hoff in the middle mm -hmm. and you've got like, you, you can just back on other people's houses and some people are sort of respectful mm. of your privacy and their, their own privacy and so put up curtains other people no curtains don't care no sh no shades nothing you can see right into the houses i always find that odd but um yeah come come sort of january you would just see uh balcony flower boxes filled with what were just dead plants and and then then come summer they would all appear again lots of flowers mm -hmm. And then come January again, dead plants. It was, there was a gardening center that was very, seemed to be doing very well around the corner from us. It doesn't sit well with me that things have to die and we get rid of them and balconies just stay unused. How do you feel about plastic plants on balconies? I feel very strongly about plastic plants <laughs> in balconies. <laughs> There's a lot of people around my neck of the woods who are proudly displaying um, full kind of flowering roses bushes on their balconies in the middle as it's snowing so you know they're not real yeah i don't know i i get it i get it mm -hmm. but i don't i don't think it's something i would want but how what, what do you think um i would say i i mean plastic plants must be nice for people who can't uh, water their plants regularly who mm. need some color in their lives i can imagine i mean i can see where the attraction lies I might not go for it. I like seeing like the the development, you know, something growing up from a seedling. I need that. What about you? I've sort of 
caved into the German love of indoor plants, and I've got a few in my office because they do fill space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they work for me. I've got a garden now, so it's we're just constantly talking about what needs to be planted or what doesn't need to be planted. You got you got to have a bit of pride because you don't want your garden to be the scruffy one. So, mm-hmm. this this general maintenance. Maybe we are not the ones to answer the question: What do you find strange about Germany? Maybe nothing is strange to us anymore. That's the thing I was thinking about the other day is like the more you live here, the less I'm a good determiner of what is strange and what isn't. Like things, th- those things are sort of so normal now. There's very few things that kind of jump out at me and make me go, oh, that's dead weird. You know, that's really odd. And I think it's, it's just funny. It's kind of funny what you don't really notice anymore. Things that I find kind of strange are things like that I still find odd. Or like notable enough for me to like take a notice of them. Mm-hmm. When I, we go on a train or you drive through villages and there'll be a nice picturesque village and there'll be a massive factory just in the background and that's the employer for the entire area. Like you see those everywhere in Bavaria. Like I drove through one and it must have been about, it must have been about 40 houses <laughs> and there was a Muller, Muller milk factory and it was just like everyone who worked, who lived there worked at the Muller factory of some into some description and it's like you see that a lot with like there's 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 one industry or two industries that employ everybody in that area and they and they and they make the best ball bearings in B- Bavaria or something like that and it it'll be some really specific thing we make a chemical agent that they use in 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 paint uh, for yeah, um, yeah. industrial usage yeah. around the world and it's only made here in this small town and so you get that I always find weird the other thing I found really odd is still is do you know what I mean when I say a strip mall what's a strip mall right so it's like an American concept and there's a few of these things you'll see these things where you're like that's kind of American that's weird that that exists hmm. here. And you see that in certain things, but this is the one I see it the most. So a strip mall is essentially an open-air shopping centre. There'll be like a DM and there'll be a Rossman and there'll be like one of them uh, Mr. Lady Jeans or like a clothes store, Hmm. maybe a garden centre. There'll be a big car park. And then there'll just be those shops. Mm. And, and that's what they mean by strip mall. So it's like a single single story kind of shopping area with a car park in the middle. And there's lots of different stores. And it's not, mm. in, it's not in a mall. It's like in an open air environment. And there's loads of there, those, mm-hmm. those around Augsburg. And I still find them quite funny. As we said, like you sort of remember that your experiences in the past. And obviously you connect them with your experiences now. Or you've learned lessons about why things are the way they are or whatever. But... And, and you've run out of those opportunities to see G- Germany with like a um, a totally new perspective or a totally fresh perspective. And uh, mm. you were talking about using washing machines and it reminded me of the first time I used a German washing machi- machine. And I went to see, like I remember putting the clothes in the washing machine, looking up to go, oh, I wonder which setting I need to use. And I suddenly realized I didn't understand any washing machine German. I didn't understand. <laughs> it was just German. I was like, oh, fuck, I live in Germany. Right. Oh, yeah. Shit, and this isn't going to be in English. Like, what a shocker. Um, <laughs> and nowadays, like, those sudden surprises aren't really, they aren't really as common and they become fewer and fewer. But occasionally, yeah. one or two do come around and you had one the other day. I do. Tell us, Dilly, about your experience and sudden realization when it came to your washing machine. This, this was a very important epiphany. <laughs> so it's something I feel in my bones. And... I read this one tweet and the wind kind of left my sails. So one at Nerdbert, so that's the Twitter account. He tweeted, Wer kam auf die Idee, besonders empfindliche Wäsche Pflegeleicht zu nennen? So 
who had the idea to call extremely sensitive clothes uh, flegelicht because flege is care and licht is light and this is a, a washgang or a washing machine setting that you have on washing machines here flegelicht and you have like baumwolle which means cotton you have flegelicht and so i always thought flegelicht must be whatever you need to wash that doesn't need to be carefully that doesn't need to go through a careful cycle all my ratty towels my bed linen my dishcloths mm-hmm. everything lands my carpets like little bathroom <laughs> carpets they land in there and so for 12 bloody years i have been washing my ratty towels and things on the most sensitive setting in the washing machine and similarly all my nice clothes i have been washing on on the setting in which other people wash their towels and carpets i feel like a right idiot to be honest which one is that is it the cock bunt washer oh is it uh, the cock washer no the cock washer is it's not something i use because um cock washer is for things that you need to um wash in very hot water like 90 degrees and you can do this with like dishcloths and things or things that get really dirty i don't think i've used anything that gets that dirty so i have never used that and it sounds very warm actually i mean we don't use it that much because we try to yeah. save energy but the co- the koch or buntwäsche is the the well it directly translated as koch is cook Uh, and it's obviously colored wash bunt bunt washer and this is the setting for like really hot temperatures or c- for washing um colored clothes in as well so we don't really use that one Fi- uh, fine washer is the one we use quite a lot fine washer is for like sensitive oh our d- delicate delicates ah yeah our delicates or the baby clothing ah, stuff okay. like that I guess miss mish washer is the mixed, mixed wash one. and that's the one we use quite yeah. often yeah and um but flegelicht is an interesting one because it doesn't mean what was the direct translation it's care isn't it yeah flege is care and licht is light yeah so like easy care but it's actually like wash and wear isn't it it's like you can use it for delicates for sure but you you generally you just wash it and then put it on uh, once you've dried it i'll be honest with you we we divide our chores and my wife uh, does does the clothes washing and i do um the house cleaning right so we sort of divide our our chores up and um i try to avoid it cuz i i'm the kind of person who like no matter how hard i try i'll shrink something i have shrunk things i do all the time you know i'm like really bad at that unless i wash everything on 30 oh jesus christ it's filled me gerade ein i just realized i got from my boyfriend a beautiful white sweater that was 50% wool or something for christmas and i bloody shrunk it in the first wash and because you know i use a bloody towel wash gang oh man it's kind of nice it's kind of nice that after all this time there's still funny little surprises mm. i like that but i kind of also wish those surprises weren't wrapped up in like really annoying tasks that you have to do as an adult like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. why can't it be something much nicer than like oh yeah I don't understand what all this German means and I find that often when something breaks and the only handbook that for the device that's mm-hmm. broken will have has no British option cuz still to this day no matter whether I can read I part of my brain doesn't trust myself to yeah. have fully understood because yeah. there's been so many times where I've read instructions or been told something in German thought I understood it got it totally wrong and so my brain doesn't always 100% feel confident yeah. when I've got I it in German even if I yeah. understand it and you just want 
And even when I've read, I'll read, even if there is, I'll read stuff in German and then I'll like flick to the British bit and go, all right, that's, uh, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was that. Yeah. 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 Um, Pet yourself on the back. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, yep, yep, yep. yeah. I, knew, I knew that. I knew that. Um, so I, I often find that sort of there's, that you sort of sprung with some kind of new piece of language that you, is very specific to the, a particular task. Mm. But there's also, what I do like about, I guess Flegel like doesn't really fit into this because it doesn't really say exactly what it means. But occasionally you'll get a compound noun where the two words just make sense and they come together and you're like, oh, I know exactly what, literally I know exactly what that is. Great, that's fine. But in this instance, it's not quite 100% clear. It is not. It's the f most failed. It's the most failed compound noun ever. <laughs> I can't think of a more unsuccessful compound can you not in english not in bloody german i'm sure there's more like out there for us to find like easy care i guess would denote that it would be for delicates you would just assume wouldn't it easy care but easy care is not delicates they're, they're not easy to care for but that's why you got fine vesha fine at least in my mind like finds one of them words that really pops in my imagination because it fine. all i can think of is like a dapper looking like 18th century gentleman with uh with like feathers in his hat <laughs> when that word fine even when germans say it i'm like that's my image i get in my hat fine. yeah like, fine cost like in the supermarket i whenever you're fine yeah. cost i'm like it's like harpsichord music in my head so <laughs> where is that i don't have any i'd be like easy care you <laughs> like easy wash okay probably easy wash is what i'd go with but yeah it's pretty failed it's pretty awful as it comes something that does absolve me is that i've had private messages on my uh, twitter account to say that there are germans who, uh, who've seen my tweet and they have been as surprised to learn what this word means well I, I think we, as second language speakers, it could be understood why we might not understand the particularities of a certain mm. specific vocabulary, but or Wirtschatz. Um, but um, yeah, Germans should know what this is, surely. <laughs> they should know what's going on. I mean, if anyone knows, it's them, right? No. Luckily, though, Dilly, this is the only thing that's crept up on you this week. There hasn't been another shocking surprise that's maybe challenged your personal understanding of reality. Oh! <gasps> The butter dish, yes. <laughs> so I've had a butter dish lying around and I gave one to my boyfriend in order to civilize him. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, civil, is civilized in your book having a butter dish? <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> well, it's not like using the... Like you cut through the foil and you still use it. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. crumpled away in the fridge yeah. in a foil. Yeah, that's, that's oh, why they that's give you... That's not how you use butter. It's why you get, they give you a material that's renowned for keeping things fresh. It's why they put them in foil. It's, On the shelf. Yeah, exactly. And also in your fridge. Not while you use it. Yeah. Psh. You can't, you don't even have a, you don't even have a comeback. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not a comeback. It's a sound. Okay. <laughs> and so I give this to my boyfriend. I, I I see that you need a butter dish in your life. So um, hey hey, Dilly, I'll have you know, I've got three butter dishes. That's how civilized I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my boyfriend uses the butter dish, and then I open the fridge, and it looks a little different. I'm like, huh, huh, that's not how I remember it. And then I realize that you know the bottom 
part of the dish i've been using it wrong and he's just turned it the right way around so i mean that is also like what i bought this in 2013 i've <laughs> just been using the wrong side of the butter dish i've been using the wrong side of the butter dish tell me nick like i mean what what else have i been doing wrong should i warm up pesto because i just spoon it from the bottle maybe i've been using the wrong side of the bloody knife or uh you know those little fruit smoothie packs for kids the hip ones are they also not for adults then have you tried them oh yeah i always steal one every time ah okay that's the, okay. That's the dad tax i i feel i feel less strange <laughs> now thank you because i i i spent an inordinate amount of time in the kids section in the supermarket all children's food is great and you should eat it if you get an opportunity all the time like children's chocolate like i don't care okay. I, they got a bed it's mine I, I paid for it, so I'm going to eat it. Um, Not that's So, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that it seems like you've had a hard week, Dilly. You've had a difficult a difficult time of it. I, I fully understand. I've had to come to terms with myself. I know, it's it's a hard, hard life. But I can at least commiserate with you because everyone knows for the last few weeks I've had some travails with my own sleep. And so mm-hmm. I understand what it's like having a hard week. But this is my update. I am sleeping soundly uh, or have been sleeping soundly for the last seven days by by the special little trick that you can try as well. What I've been doing is I've been sleeping on the couch. <laughs> That's my new strategy. What have, what have you done to deserve I that? I haven't done anything. I'll be honest, we got to this point in my wife's pregnancy. The, the mere change in in atmosphere as I walk into the bedroom when she's asleep wakes her up. Like, just everything wakes her up. I, I coughed slightly in my sleep. I woke up and I went, <clears throat> and then she went, oh, and I'd woken <laughs> her up. So, like, basically, and she needs as much sleep as possible because she's carrying this giant child. So... Um, I've just been up and sleeping on the fold-out yeah. couch, and every my wife got six hours solid sleep last nice. night. I got seven hours solid sleep last night. My daughter got eight <sighs> hours of solid sleep last night. Everyone's sleeping, and it's just it's changed the whole dynamic of the family. We all like each other. We're not ratty in the morning. <laughs> Everyone's nice to each other. Everyone's super motivated. Um, but yeah, it's it's a funny one that in order for us to improve our life. My my wife and I have to sleep in different rooms for a, at least, I reckon it'll probably be until May. That sounds like um, a really good plan. I know a lot of people who do that even when uh, one partner is not pregnant and um, it, it mm. they can only recommend it, sleep in different separate bedrooms. I don't know. I mean, it is for some people. I can get why it'd be for some people, but... I, I mean, I'm not a fan of it. There's a lack of, there's a lack of sort of intimacy. Yeah, intimacy, I guess, is one thing. But like, the I think the thing that you, you wake up and it's like you're not in your own beds and it changes the rhythm slightly. But that's a small price to pay mm. for for several hours solid REM sleep. So and the, the again the the benefits of it, ah, oh, just everyone just being generally happy in the morning is always a positive for everybody mm. concerned. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's my baby update. Tell me, tell me, Nick. So um, so this is your second baby. And I've always wondered, so people have to spend so much on their first babies, like for the stroller mm. and all the clothes mm. and things. Is it is it any different with the second baby? Have you been shopping and stocking up on things uh, as much as you did with your first baby? My wife's uh, siblings, brother and sister, they've all got kids around sort of two, three, four so there's there's already there already was a pool of clothes and we've got other relatives who gave us some clothes for my daughter when she was born but we bought a lot because you mm-hmm. end up buying a lot because 
some clothes don't fit some clothes they don't like some are a little bit tatty or whatever various different reasons why mm-hmm. you might and also that if you if you can and and certainly during the pandemic when we didn't have a lot of outlets for spending money anyway we, we kind of bought clothes online or we'd see things that were cute in the shop and we'd just mm-hmm. get them so you already had quite a few things but we definitely got loads of hand-me-downs for sure loads of things from other people mm-hmm. and i don't really know how we, we're we've had my daughter we're gonna have a son so then you've got some things you can use some bits of kit mm-hmm. there's other stuff that you want to get also you know the stuff that you really need like that's the experiences we had this fucking whopping big list when my daughter was born of all the things we definitely need we need mm-hmm. all these things if you don't have these things mm-hmm. you're a failure as a parent how dare you not have multiple <laughs> different types of teething teething cloths and muslins and you've got to get this kind and this kind and this thread level and and just loads of shit that they keep telling you and really you don't need that much stuff so we've all got already got those kinds of things we've got car seats and we've got all that kind of jazz so now it's just like mm. maybe just making sure we've got enough shoes those shoes are always stuff that go, that go through really quickly um just bits and bobs but yeah i don't think we would we'd, we'd be spending hundreds of euros if we we're having to buy everything from scratch Again, is that something that's not normal? Is that something that's not done particularly? I mean, it's something that I'm very familiar with. Um, and we have a new baby in the family. So um, I've been hearing about uh, things that my brother and my sister-in-law land with, um, you know, when relatives go, oh, okay, so here's a, here's a, not a stroller, but like some kind of like baby seat that we've never used. We got it as a gift. Maybe you can use it. I mm. mean, th- these are things that you do, right? Like clothes and um and actually on a subconscious level, anything, any clothes that I've bought for the baby are also things that I would like to dress any <laughs> yeah, potential yeah, you do. Yeah. babies in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People do that. So, yeah. you know, it's like, ah, okay, let, 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 you know, what goes around comes around. So, um, but I think recently uh, someone on Sri Lankan Twitter came under fire for saying, I mean, she's, uh, she's running for mayor in a city. Right. And uh, Vrai Kelly Balthazar. So um, she said on, I mean, there was a video that's uh, resurfaced of hers where she says that um, she has two small kids and she hadn't bought clothes for her kids the last few years because family and friends keep handing things uh, down to them. And she does this too when the kids have, uh, you know, gone through them. And so someone said, "Ah, you know, hippie commune and... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face when I said it. And you know, oh, is this the is this the policy? Is this a policy of the party uh, to dress people in hand me downs and secondhand clothing? How cheap are you? Nah, fuck that shit. I, I can't find a proper response to it because any it's it's overwhelming to me to have this kind of backlash. Uh, parents parents are judgy as hell, right? When you go to a play park, everyone's looking at everyone else's kids and everyone else's parenting. Really? And every, yeah, yeah, everyone's doing it. You can see everyone's side eyeing each other. Your parenting skills are on display, and your child is kind of to a certain extent on display. Um, and so you definitely experience that. But like, never understood parents who dress their kids in kind of designer 
clothes, especially really small kids yeah. that are going to grow out of them. Yeah. Like if I bought my daughter a pair of Adidas trainers, mm. you better believe I'm putting those trainers in a box and hoping we'll have a second child so I can reuse them because <laughs> those things are, ain't cheap, right? Yeah. Like I don't, I, I mean, but everyone can spend their money the way they see fit. I'm not the gatekeeper of, of what is right and what isn't. I am. All right, you can be. <laughs> I, I don't mind. But I just think my experience of having with my daughter, but not now with my, my son is that People can't give you this stuff fast enough. They, they, they want you to have it. They definitely want it out mm. of their homes. The, we've opened a lot of boxes of stuff that we're, well, I mean, we probably will do the same where we're like, hey, just stuff all this other shit in here as well so we just get rid of it. Maybe they'll want it, maybe they won't. And so you end up with like kind of random toys and stuff like that. But like, mm. that's nice enough. Every every bit helps, you know, and kids like toys, so that can't be a bad thing. Mm. The more clothes you can get, the more shoes you can get. It doesn't hurt. I don't know if it's like a hippie commune. I think it's just community, isn't it? It's what people do. <laughs> it's just community. It's how I've always lived. I mean, in my parents' neighborhood down the street, we have like neighbors who are also relatives sometimes or people who moved there 30 years ago or so. And even if you have extra food, you share. You make too much auflauf. I mean, I make too much auflauf. Let's use the proper personal pronoun here. And, you know, we have an extra dish and we call someone up and say, have you had dinner already? Because we have some extra food and maybe you might like it. And you share everything. You share like things in your garden. You share the coconuts and the jackfruit. And somebody sends something over. And when you, you know, you go through your closet every now and then and you... Particularly when you're kids, I mean, we grew out of things so fast and my mother would take them and, you know, give them to other people, which is what you do. I, I think it's a beautiful way of living. I mean, forget the money and the ecology and environment and everything, but the idea of like caring for someone else, thinking about other people. Well, yeah. I think that's nice. That's that, I mean, that's kind of what we've, we, we grew up with is me and my siblings because there's photos of my eldest brother wearing a jumper that you see a photo 10 years later that I'm wearing the same jumper, you know? Like, uh-huh. it's it's a little tattier and a little less less sort of nice, but mm. I, I, I grew up wearing my siblings' hand-me-downs, mm. so that was never a, a big issue, so I would never find it much of a problem. I think it's perfectly normal, really. Mm. And I think to sort of shame people is <laughs> a bit much, really. <laughs> it's a bit over the top. yeah. And my kitchen, it's full of like saucepans and Pyrex stuff that I didn't pay for. My mother gets them as gifts, maybe from my brother sometimes. She doesn't want to use it. She doesn't have the space. And she's like, oh, would you like to have it? Hippie commune. When you see exactly when you're starting out, when you first move in somewhere, it's definitely, we had we had tables and chairs and bits of furniture that were collected from various people when we yeah. first moved in. Some of it we still got, some of it we got rid of, you know? Um, I don't think it's necessary. No. I don't know. I, d- I just don't think you need to spend vast amounts of money, especially if you don't have it. Yeah. And people are willing to share it, then it's definitely a, a positive in my book. Clear the decks, throw out those fashion decorations, and hide the leftover crapfin. Now carnival is over, we have Politische Asher Mitvok in Bavaria to contend with. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, once all the partying ends in Bavaria, we turn to politics with various town hall-based events from all the political parties happening across the entire state. So, uh, yeah, Politische Asher Mitvok 
there's a long storied tradition in Bavaria and it goes back as far as the 16th century when uh, farmers would come to meet at market and gossip about the Bavarian royal family. Revived in 1953 by the Bavarian party or the Bayern Partei, the Politische Aschermittwoch is a chance for politicians in Bavaria and across the, the, the country actually uh, to give speeches that are a little bit more aggressive, a bit more humorous. Well, I mean humorous is very much depending on the person's humour. Um, I always find political humour to be a bit... <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, we have this kind of political event that's happening. Uh, the, today is Fashing's Dienstag, or Pancake Day, if you're British. Uh, tomorrow will be um, Ash uh, Wednesday or Ash mm. Midfox. So this event will be happening from tomorrow. Uh, question for you, Dilly. Variety is the spice of life. Mm. Is it also... The spice of politics. If you're talking about discussion platforms, definitely, no? I always have a political foot. I don't want to say political foot. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's not a foot, is it a political hand? <laughs> got a political leg. In. <laughs> I have a foot in Sri Lanka and I see like, I mean, what sort of rap people take uh, for speaking up about politicians, politicians, uh, the government and so on particularly journalists uh, creative writers artists and one medium that people have to discuss politics um, and to critique is the arts the books the tv programs even social media accounts and so on so yeah i mean more power to the people isn't that what you think i do i like the idea of the being different ways of having a political discourse i don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing my my thing is the more divided germany kind of appears especially with the way kind of berlin's unfurled itself and the results and the kind of aftermath of the berlin election where it mm. seems like a lot of people are genuinely just mm. ignoring how politics works and just making up the rules themselves i'm not sure that whether a space where you aggressively go after your opponents uh, and your your political rivals is necessarily going to be a good thing and it's been on on pause for three years because mm -hmm. we had the pandemic and then they cancelled it last year after the invasion of Ukraine. Mm. So this is the first one they've had for three years mm. and maybe it's going to be a bit more, it's going to be a bit sharper maybe or there's probably people who've been waiting for this for a while to happen. It's actually a debate, it's a debate that's going on, a fairly lively debate and there's an article in Tagesspiegel I think from today or a few days ago where it's journalists essentially asking this question about whether it's there's any real value in continuing to do this kind of political theater um whether it's got got any value at all mm. there's there's a couple who are a couple of people who are saying that basically you know maybe maybe it's past its best you know maybe it's maybe it's best that this thing kind of resigns itself to to the history books and we don't go back to it and and it's quite common in, in bavaria there's people who like the 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 kind of phrasing and the dexterity and the language and and the kind of jokes as well but a lot of them reference uh, the former minister president of B bavaria uh, franz josef strauss who and they were like oh it was amazing when he did it mm. and, he, and he died in 1988 so i mean like that's that's their reference points really for this kind of stuff like oh the, the days of, of strauss you know it was, it was a real big thing and it's not the same as it used to be because it's not beer kellers anymore and they've moved to these kind of convention centers and you don't have the rough and ready kind of working class 
aspect to it, which is fair enough. But mm. I do enjoy Bavarian traditions, especially the ones that descend from really kind of stereotypical Bavarian reference points and the fact that the politischer Asher Mitvok comes from essentially farming unions and farmers. Mm. I really enjoy mm. that. I like that aspect of it. And it kind of makes me laugh that like we've got this political kind of event that originated with farmers turning up to market to go, oh, I tell you what, that king of the Bavaria, king of Bavaria is a bit of a twat, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I'm sick of him. All these taxes. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I love that. I, I just had a question. I would say that this tradition has a very noble beginning and now it's being used by political parties and not the citizens of not the citizens of bavaria to have a go at the political parties am i right in understanding that it's something used by the political parties themselves now oh yeah yeah so all the political parties are putting on events over um Aschermittwoch. So you've got the CSU obviously have a big mm. event in their kind of convention center. The Greens are coming. The Freie Wähler, which are this kind of independent, not quite AfD, not quite CSU, right-wing kind of party, they're mm. putting on, on an event too and they're hoping to kind of capture more votes because of it. There's a few that, that down the lines, but every major, SPD, FDP, I think Christian Lindner's coming to Bayern. Mm. So that'll be a bit of an event. He's licking his wounds after the Berlin election. So there's 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 a lot of attention. And maybe I'd heard rumors that Annalena Baerbock might go. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm. And uh, Merkel went to to these events too. So I mean, mm. it's it's been well attended by by the great and good of German politics. And partly, it's I guess it comes on the back of fashing where it's anything goes as we've seen with regards to kind of political satire and and rinsing political opponents with with uh, well-aimed comedic jibes mm. but um so i guess there's still that kind of hangover of like let's take the piss but i'm sure there'll be plenty of photos come wednesday afternoon of uh, marcus Söder holding a mask glass probably wearing some kind of jaeger jacket kind of hunting jacket or like a traditional bavarian hat or something looking as bavarian as humanly possible oh. and he'll probably be saying something quite inflammatory given his trumpian tendencies so the, i know there'll be there'll be something that comes out of it but i think one of the things that people kind of like is that it's a bit of cut and thrust and people say things that are a little bit more salacious and catch the headlines that's kind of the aim of it mm. whether that's necessarily a good thing in these kind of polarized times well that's that's anyone's bet isn't it really i'm not sure if i answered your question no no you have it's not like you, anyone can get on stage and sort of give a speech it's definitely political theater that's orchestrated and organized so there might be local dignitaries or local people who are part of the party who mm. might be able to say stuff but you can't just grab the mic and and have you all yeah. say, I don't think. But I would say, though, um, I don't know if you've uh, looked at Marcus, uh, Marcus Söder's um, Twitter account lately. <laughs> I, try, I try not to. <laughs> so maybe the ridiculous statement stage has already begun for him. So he said that in Bayern, people can say what they want. Uh, also, in Bayern dürfen die Menschen sagen, was sie wollen. Und sie dürfen singen, was sie wollen. Ein zwanghaftes Gendern machen wir in Bayern nicht. Wir unterwerfen uns hier weder in irgendwelchen Umerziehungsfantasien, noch betreiben wir hier eine Cancel Culture. So, obviously, he's talking about um, yeah, gendering. Um, he feels compelled to be politically correct, I assume. In Bayern, people can say what they want. They can sing what they want. We are not going to um, uh, nick what is gendered in 
gendern. Oh well, I mean that's the debate. That's the debate about how how we use gendered language. Gendered language. Yeah, I was looking for the English translation. I find it. I try to avoid this discussion because I find it so. I just find it pointless, and it, it feels like. If you engage with it, you you have to talk about the entire thing. Yeah, well, not just no, no, no. I think I, th- I don't think we do because I, I, I'm not an expert on it, and I'm no expert on German language, yeah. so I, I'd feel not. All I would say is, as what I've always said is, why not just make all nouns non-gendered and just make them all neutral, and then we don't have to worry about <laughs> der, die, das, and feminine and masculine names for things. And like we do this in English, and we, we don't have policemen, we don't have police women, we have police officers. There isn't actors and actresses. There's just actors now people just talk about actors mm. whether they mean men or women yeah. it doesn't matter and i think that's like progressive yeah. kind of yeah. it's fine i don't understand what the question is but in germany obviously it has um implications to actual language mm. because of um the, the endings of words and because you've got the masculine and feminine and so there's this big debate about what is the acceptable way of doing mm. it can we make it a way that we don't just refer to the masculine all the time mm. can't we find a way of, of referring to things that are both mas- male and female in a different way and and that it's obviously red rag rag to, rag to the bull of, of, of right-wing commentators but this gender thing just doesn't it seems to preoccupy politicians way more than it preoccupies actual normal people, actual normal people. in the same way that cancel culture the cancel culture is this fucking buzzword that they use that has no relation to actual people's lives mm. really except those people who uh uh, effectively online uh, you only see this debate online no one ever talks about it in the real world uh, or and, and if they're on a political talk show maybe yeah. what I wanted to say with that was um, simply that Marcus Söder seems to have you know if people are going to be swinging ridiculous statements at each other for fun I think he's already started it by saying on his Twitter page uh, that in Bayern people will say what they want and they will sing what they want I mean I, let's just focus on the first two sentences there I, I guarantee you that if there was a punk band that released a song that denigrated the Pope mm. or made fun, some aspect of Bavarian culture or whatever, they would have a completely different spin on it. It would be disrespectful and it would be, oh, you can't do that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's this idea that they're somehow fighting for freedom of speech mm. and it's just, it's not. It's just a freedom of, the freedom to say the things they want and agree with mm. rather than what everyone wants to say. Um, yeah, but I do think he started early and I guess we're going to hear more from him come, come Wednesday evening. No. You know what, Dilly? Deutsche Bahn get a pretty bad rap. But whenever I look at the trains in the UK or happen to be unlucky enough to have to use a UK rail service, I am incredibly forgiving of Deutsche Bahn's many, many foibles. But then I come back to Germany and I use Deutsche Bahn and I lose my fucking shit. Um, I think this is everyone's experience yeah. of Deutsche Bahn. Is, it's terrible it is. until you go to another country and you're like, actually, it's not that bad. And then you come back and you go, no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. But I use Deutsche Bahn quite a lot. You use it like daily, don't you? I do. I take the train every day and I'm a frequent customer of the Deutsche Bahn. And I think reflecting many others' experiences of it, at times you really like it and at times you really hate it. And I don't use hate uh, lightly here. Either the experiences are really good and the people, the service is really nice and you're like, oh, that was very smooth, uh, the smooth ride, or, you know, the train got late, but um, everyone was nice and they put me on another train after that. 
or the experiences are headachey bad yeah it's a very jekyll and hyde situation going i do feel if you use it every day you see the best and worst of deutsche yeah. bahn but like if you use it twice a month you usually see the best like ah. i find i have the best experience on deutsche bahn uh-huh. because i only need to use it maybe once or twice a month there's, there's compound factors in the fact that mm. You get if you get in a, a train in the morning, morning commute, Monday morning, it's mm. cold, you're already feeling a bit grumpy perhaps because of the weather and then you get on a crowded train mm. and you go to work and then you re- then you you do your job and then you've got to get back on that train, maybe it's dark. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that not maybe making people feel particularly loving of their national rail service. But I often enjoy even long haul trips that we took when we went to Hamburg on the train. I really enjoyed that experience. Um, it was long, but it was fine. I, the thing that things that I really like about Deutsche Bahn that I think I, I often forget when I get angry at its kind of late trains or weird kind of decision making about services. Things like the dining car. Oh, it's massive. I love the dining car. I think it's one of my favorite things about Deutsche Bahn you have like seats like you have it's not just like a bit where the they serve you food and then you have to go back to your seat there's actual seats so the other week i i didn't have a seat booked and the train was packed and for some reason i didn't know why it was so busy and i was like i need somewhere mm. to sit where am i going to sit and uh i got to the dining car and there was no one around just there was tables and chairs just free and i was like i've got 45 minutes Oh, I can nurse a beer for 45 minutes. So I bought a beer, sat down, and just had like a na- lovely mm. view of of the, the, the train going by and like a na- and had a beer and I just sat there for about 40 minutes and then got up and got off the train. And I was like, well, that was actually a really nice way of spending the journey. I didn't feel like I had a, um, a crappy time and it was much better than just standing up and all for the price of like, what, three euros for a beer. And the pricing's really reasonable. Uh, I like the app. As well, it's not the most intuitive thing by any stretch, but now I've been using it for a while. It's fairly easy to use, and I find it I find it like just dead easy to buy a, buy a ticket and and just use it on the trains. This yeah, it just makes the whole thing a lot smoother. I like you've been able to track my journey and all that jazz. Um, I like the little compartments that you have. You know those. Have you, have you ever been in one of those compartments on an ICE? No. It's the best experience, man. It's like, especially if you get one on your own and you've just got this little compartment. And you shut the door and you just like in your little. It's like having your little little room on the train all to yourself. That that's a lovely a lovely kind of journey to take. We did that. We booked one in on the way I think there to Hamburg and we managed luckily to fluke one on the way back and it's just a much nicer experience much quieter as well and uh, I also like the buying card where even before the Deutsche card came comes in the, the 49 euros for regional trains around Germany mm. the, the buying card's been in existence for as long as I've been here and it's 25 was it 27 euros now to travel uh, anywhere on any any part of Bavaria on any regional train for an entire day. And you can um, have a maximum of, I think it's four of the people can um, sign the, the ticket and you can you can all club together and you've got one ticket. So you, if you've got five mates um, or four mates, you can all get the train for 27 euros, like, like between years. It's a great little thing. So there's like little advantages like that that I really, really like. What, what sort of stuff do you like about, about Deutsche Bahn that you enjoy? I, I like public transport in general because, um, I mean, keeps on the costs and everything. And particularly with Deutsche Bahn, I think I've liked the service. I mean, I've had one or two maybe 
extremely rude experiences <laughs> where they roll their eyes because I can't find the ticket soon enough or something. Uh, um. <laughs> how could you? How could you get a Deutsche Bahn and not have your ticket in your hand ready to be checked by the uh, uh, conductor? And because of my skin color, I'm always worried that they think, oh, okay, Schwarzfahren. <laughs> really? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's terrible. I've, I've had like experiences in that department i'm sure you have and uh where they like uh unusually stern with me mm. and um but other than that i mean i've also had like really nice experiences nice people at least on the trains here they offer you a drink and i mean obviously you have to pay for it <laughs> okay it's not like something you eat too very nicely <laughs> excuse me madam would you like a cup of tea <laughs> yes i'll have pfeffermans thank you Here's the bill. And uh, so you can buy something to eat. I mean, these are the, like the normal trains. It's not even ice. It's the regional, regional trains. They're very like nice laid, laid back experiences. But um, I think about a year ago, I got myself a ban card. And how would you translate that into English? It's like a loyalty scheme. Or a is special like a, is, it, is, it, is it an abo? Is it a, a, um, a, an annual thing? Or is it yeah, a monthly yeah. thing? Yeah, it's a subscription. It's an annual subscription. You pay a certain fee. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, it would be like a rail pass, I guess. Would it's a it. rail pass. Okay. So it's a rail pass. The So since about a year ago, I've been, uh, I've had a ban card, which means it's, yeah. So it's a rail pass and um, you pay a, an annual subscription and they take off, they lob off a little bit of your train tickets, but not the monthly ticket that I have to take for work. Recently though, I've, I was a bit miffed at this because, uh, I didn't know that it was a time to renew my bank card subscription and I had been late on the payment and they had sent me a manong. What's a, a manong is a reminder? Yeah, yeah. A strong reminder. Strong reminder, red notice. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me a reminder via post and I was a little annoyed because I have to pay the uh, penalty costs penalty costs mm -hmm. uh, of two two fifty euros. Really? Yeah. Whoa, that's that's brutal. That is. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's this? What's this for? Because I never received a bill anyway, and this is the first time I'm seeing like a letter by you. And it turned out that they had sent me an email. So <laughs> the ban card, Nick. <laughs> Uh, the reason the reason I'm laughing, listeners, the reason I'm laughing, and I think the reason Dilly's laughing is like you can never predict how you're gonna be, how any company in Germany is gonna communicate with you, because like your expectation, certainly your base expectation when you first come is that you would get an email, but after living here for a certain amount of time, you begin to expect them to send you an actual letter, because that's usually how most companies communicate. The government mm -hmm. communicates with you via handwritten letters and shit like that, right? So. Um, to get like the reason you wouldn't you would miss it because you wouldn't be looking for an email from Deutsche Bahn telling you oh you need a remi reminder to renew this you'd expect like it's them sending you a fucking text message or something you'd be like who's this like new phone who, who this so Nick understand this I'm on the phone with a customer service person and he's as annoyed with me as I am with the Deutsche Bahn and he's like yes you did get a notice it was in your email and I'm like in my email so I look it up and it's, you know, sent somewhere in November. And it's one of nine spam emails that the Martin card has sent me this month. I hadn't opened any of it and definitely not the, not the invoice. And I'm like, 
How can how can you bill me for an email that looks like eight other spam emails that you send? You send me like ten emails a month. Not even my boyfriend sends me ten emails a month, and we have a long distance relationship. <laughs> You'd be lucky to get ten a year, you know. Come on, like really? I mean, like I just you wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect them to communicate with you via email. I just think it's hilarious. That's exactly what would happen. They would just be like, "Oh, we sent you an email. We're a modern company." You're like, "Yeah, but you're the only one. <laughs> you're the only one that's modern." Everyone else sends us letters you weirdos like what are you doing <laughs> yeah bizarre. and then i'm like okay it's a genuine mistake i hadn't seen the email i think that's a that's a very valid response i said but the manung co- the the penalty cost i think is a bit much i mean considering the economy right now i don't want to give money to the deutsche bahn for nothing and he's like um, you have been issued a new card you've been using it for over one month and i think the penalty cost should stay and i then sent them a scathing email saying um i mean you can buy tickets on the deutsche bahn online you can't cancel a ticket once you've bought the cheapest one and i think that's very clever in a bad way yeah, but that's the the effect of like how uh airlines do it as well don't they they have those options too oh you get this ticket it's cheaper but you get no insurances and you get no like come back if we cancel the flight and people will obviously go for the cheapest option especially if the option difference is like five euros people are always going to go for the cheaper option yeah i always go with the cheaper option and i think it's it's ridiculous because the deutsche bahn does this sort of thing you can buy a ticket on ice but that does not guarantee you a seat on the train did you know that oh yeah oh yeah you've definitely got to book your own seat unless you go and get a beer at the buffet car and, and then you have fine. a seat oh. <laughs> do what i do <laughs> don't book a seat just go find the buffet car buy a drink sit down keep buying drinks until they tell you to leave that's the way i do it <laughs> i think it's ridiculous where you pay like what 80 euros for a trip or something and then the seat costs extra i mean what what's the 80 euros for <laughs> Like, was I going to sit on the driver's lap or something? But the beauty of that is getting to watch Germans accost people in their seats. Because that is one of the finest parts of going anywhere on Deutsche Bahn, is watching, especially German men, accost other German men for sitting in their seat. It's it's great. And it's just the whole... Because, like, I went... When did I last go to Nuremberg? A couple of weeks ago, I went to Nuremberg. I got the ICE. I got on. And there was just... We were, like, walking down the carriage, and I stopped for ages because there was just different groups of people going you're sitting in my seat and the other person going oh i don't think i don't think like and it's great because especially when men do it because there's like a bit in men's brains that kick in that's like no this is my seat i've been sitting in this seat and and then they're like no this is mine and they go no i've got a ticket have you got a ticket and they go no i'll get my coat there <laughs> adamant that it's theirs until like someone presents a ticket there's like one guy's going see this seat is this number and the guy's like no it's that number and he's like oh get my coat then (laughs) he's like off he goes and it's like and it's so direct and it's like no this is my seat no it is my seat and i love that sort of back and forth it's hilarious it's lovely to watch when you're not involved in it yeah Yeah. definitely but i was i got the train back and i was a bit a bit pissed i had a few drinks dilly you know me <laughs> i had a few drinks so i just sat in the first seat i found and this guy came over and he went that's my seat and i was just like, <laughs> just like poured myself out the seat and just like found another one and, he, and i don't think he was ready i think he was waiting for me to go no this is my seat and i was just like probably you know like it could have i could have booked it it might even have been my seat and i just gave up to somebody else i wasn't gonna fight fight for it at all yeah 
I do find I do find there is things to, that annoy you about, like like you've said about the sort of s- the seats and the pricing, but um, I always find things like discrepancy between riding Deutsche Bahn in the south versus the north. Hmm. Like I've, I've read a tweet somewhere that was saying like, "Oh, Deutsche Bahn's amazing." I'm going from Hamburg to somewhere else, uh, I don't know Berlin or something, and say, "Oh, the Wi-Fi is perfect and there's no problems." And I'm like, "You've got Wi-Fi." Because I have not got Wi-Fi whenever I get on an ICE. There's Wi-Fi? Yeah, exactly. Apparently, there's Wi-Fi in Northern Trains, the lucky oh. bastards. I'll be lucky if I get um, an edge signal on my phone. Like, There's no Wi-Fi where we are. Where I live, I don't even have the bloody internet on my phone on the best of days, <laughs> let alone the bloody Deutsche Bahn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Bailan. laughs> it's not, there's nothing, like, nothing worse than sitting in a major train station and you look at your phone as edge and you can't get a Wi-Fi signal. No. What, what? Which country do I live in? Like, what place is the this? The WhatsApp thing keeps, like, loading, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, can't even get WhatsApp. What's going on here? It's bizarre. Also, there's, sort of, there's a difference between ICE and regional, regional trains. Mm. It's so large. Like, it's such a big gap in quality, but also in, um, in time. And, like, I've started getting ICEs to Nuremberg because it takes an hour. It takes, like, in the car. It probably takes about an hour and 20 minutes if I drove. And it's only because it's mostly on a Landstrasse, which means it can only go 100 kilometers an hour. The ICE gets gets us maybe between 45 and, and, and 50 minutes I can get between Augsburg and Nuremberg. Perfect. Great. Nice commute. Regan Alban, hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes it takes. And you're just like, how is it? How is it this bad? Like, it's either you get the regional regional train and you go to um, Hippendippendorf and then you go to Speckendorf <laughs> and then you go to, like, the next, this village, this nowhere, and a middle of nowhere, and you just, like, you go to every station that's that's existed. There's, like, a pull-up to a station and the only thing around you is a cow chewing on a sausage, you know? like And it's like, like why is there a station here? And it's, those are the options. You get mm-hmm. the one that goes the slowest that any train could go on or the fastest a train can ever go. But there's no one that's like, oh, we just do a... We do the regional train, but it's slightly fewer stations, and we get we get there in an hour and ten minutes. That seems reasonable, and I'd be like, I'll pay for that, but I'm definitely not paying to sit on a train for an hour and forty five minutes, especially if I go on an, um, for a few beers, because there's no chance I'm staying awake for an hour and forty five minute on some regional train, and I'll end up basically in the middle of nowhere in Bavaria on the Swiss border or something, just like what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tragedy for sure so yeah, yeah. I'm a bit i find those routes a little bit weird and unpredictable on the whole they they have something and they need to improve their customer care if they're listening that's basically every company <laughs> in germany right you just need to get better at customer service <laughs> no you don't don't you change deutsche Bahn. don't you change don't you get pressure from <laughs> from these auslander coming here with their ridiculous <laughs> understanding of customer service that frankly anglicized perceptions yeah. of politeness <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and you know the ridiculous South Asian norms of politeness of actually treating people nicely. <laughs> yeah, how dare they? No, 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 none of that. We don't want that. I want directness and potentially, if I'm lucky, a bit yeah. of snootiness about them as well. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show. I'm off to write an angry letter to the Deutsche Bahn and get myself a refund. Yeah, they use some of those direct <laughs> German phrases. Mm. Tell them what you think. 
if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash DecadesFromHome and contributing to help keep this boat afloat. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dillialgama, and you can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks. I'll be some next month. Cheers. Cheers.